Hey guys, Roy here, and you are listening to another episode of the Balance Mill Podcast series. Um, I know it's been a while since I have done an episode. Um, I have been dealing with uh, an ACL reconstructive surgery over the last couple of months, and that has had me MIA for a lot of things, but uh, I won't talk too much about that because I have an episode kind of after this where I'll get all into it, things I've learned and the story of it. So today's episode will be a dad talk, and the dad I am going to be talking to today is a guy named Travis, and Travis is a local guy, grew up here in Virginia Beach, knows known my wife for a long time, and there's a funny story. He kind of doesn't know the story I'm about to tell, but um, <laughs> when I first moved up here, we had had dinner together, and I was like, Travis is a cool guy. Maybe we'll hang out. And so I asked Carly for Travis's number, but she – wait, I'm telling the story wrong. Back up. I was trying to talk to another Travis that we know, and I asked Carly for his number. So she gave me your number. And I would texting and say, hey, want to hang out? And you were like, you would be talking to me like, oh, sorry, I can't hang out tonight. We'll work it out again. And this was like over two months. I thought I was texting the other Travis. Is that Kessler? Yeah, <laughs> Travis Kessler. <laughs> we're allowed to say his name. <laughs> we can. And so it, I finally saw him. I was like, hey, man, you know, I had been, been texting you or whatever. You know, let's hang out. He's like, oh, I haven't gotten any of your texts. And I was like, what? And so then it was like, I showed him your number and that's he was so like, <laughs> he was like, that's not my number. And I was like, huh? So then I asked my wife, she's like, oh no, it was, it was Travis. It was you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's funny. So for at least a month and a half to two months, I was texting you thinking you were Travis Kessler. So that's, that's pretty, hilarious. this is years ago. <laughs> I actually just saw him a couple days ago at Bro's Fish Tacos and, um, you still are you talking to him still? Have you talked to him recently? No, I haven't talked to him in a while. He's, he just got the firefighter job. Yeah. He's which he had to be a sheriff for a while. Yeah, he was working at the uh, a jail. Yeah. yeah, and like I don't think he loved that, but it was great to get his foot in the door so that he could get the job that he always wanted, which was mm-hmm. the firefighter. Now he's super amped. He just graduated, and um, oh, I don't. I was about to say something. I don't know if I'm allowed to for his family, but. Oh, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, we'll, we'll keep, keep that. Yeah, we'll keep that thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we haven't hung out a lot. But um, recently, we I've, we went on a cabin trip, and uh, we had a we kind of connected more on a magical tube ride uh, down the river. So magical. And uh, so I wanted to bring you on to talk about you know it's all a bit things. Scary too. It was a bit scary. All things dad stuff. Um, <laughs> But um, before we start, uh, you know, I, I asked the dads what they want to drink or what they want to share in their favorite drink. And your first thing you said was kombucha. And I thought that was really <laughs> funny. And I mean, I drink whatever the dads say. And I was like, okay, kombucha is cool. Um, I'd probably be bourbon a lot. But then you were like, no, let's have some fresh juices. And yeah. so I think this will be the healthiest dad talk I've done. Dude, we got to stay healthy, man. We got to be healthy for the family and the kids, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's funny because my wife really wanted me to 
to drink the wine because we sell wine. We sell biodynamic <laughs> and organic wine. She's like, are you going to drink the wine? You have to at least talk about the wine. I'm like, I don't want to start drinking wine at 2 o'clock. You know, my whole day would be shot. I would be, you know, tired at 4 o'clock or whatever, 5 <laughs> o'clock. I'd, either, I'd either be drunk or tired by the end of the day. So <laughs> I decided to go with the juice. And this is such a good juice. Um, it's a green juice. I'm trying to think of what figure out what's in it yeah figure out what's in it talk about it i think i think there's maybe some celery in there what do you think i think there's i know there's celery celery um i'm pretty sure there's lemon lemon in there yeah maybe a bit of ginger no i don't think it's ginger no ginger yeah you're right i think there's at least an apple in there green apple probably yeah you're way better at this than i am (laughs) it's good though um (laughs) it's really good I smell spinach and kale, maybe. I think I think I think you're right. Definitely yeah. on the spinach. Probably both though. Yeah. But uh yeah, these juices are delicious. We have an orange one to drink after this. It's probably like a carrot maybe. Carrot orange juice. So I'm looking forward to that. Um but yeah, I had my wife go grab them for me. She was going to go to Whole Foods. Um but then we decided to go somewhere else. So she was going to go to this place called Leaping Lizard, but they don't do juices anymore. So we ended up at Bay Local. So shout out to Bay Local for the great juices. Um, not just a place for brunch and to have giant uh, mimosas. You can have some healthy green drinks too. <laughs> yeah, I get drunk there and then come back the next morning when you're hungover and have a juice. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> We should do their commercial. Right. <laughs> I'm also a little tired, so I'm drinking a coffee soda. Um, it's my own little concoction. It's uh, three ships cold brew and seltzer water. Ooh, yeah, it's delicious. Bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, let's just get into it. So, um, the first question I usually ask is how many kids do you have? got two kids um i have a six-year-old girl and i have a three and a half year old little girl a couple girls i got a girl wife of course and i got a girl dog so there's a lot of estrogen floating around my house um it's kind of a lot to deal with sometimes but it's great i love girls and just like i wanted a boy mm-hmm. you know i think every dad like kind of wants a boy you know throw the football with do all the guy stuff with them um but now that i have girls it's like I couldn't see it any other way because they're so sweet. You know, I come home from work and my six-year-old is at the door or outside in the driveway to greet me with a huge smile on her face. Daddy, daddy. And it just makes you feel real good and uh, proud of, you know, all the stuff that's hard is worth it, you know, when that happens. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, my kid's excitement is just giggling right now when, they, when he sees me. But... Um, was um you know i hear that a lot that dads wanted boys but then when they get the girls it's like it changes them somehow and it's they feel like they they say the same thing you did i wouldn't have it any other way now your daughter is pretty dope she's fun to have around she's a little spitfire um what do you think changed the most like when like having a daughter like what has changed you Man, well, the first one is just like my whole identity. I was thinking about this because you sent me the list of questions. Mm-hmm. So it really uh, started a lot of uh, thoughts in my mind and thought processes. 
but I, I think just my whole identity, you know, um, I had to, uh, after my first daughter was born, my priorities changed, my identity changed, um, like expectations for my life changed, you know, just, I had to realize that I didn't have as much time for myself personally, or I had to work harder to make time mm -hmm. uh, for myself, and um, I had to weed out some things that I just simply didn't have time for anymore, and um, yeah, just a whole new world, basically. Yeah, I think um, if from the little that we've hung out or the stories I've heard of you and like interacting with you, I think I get this like you're you're a very adventurous spirit, and do you think it's harder to have that adventurous spirit with a daughter, or does it just you just kind of have to change the adventures? Yeah, I think you're right about that. It's you have to come to terms that the adventures are going to be different and at a different pace. Mm -hmm. And it's so for me, it was really hard, you know, not being able to go on as many surf trips or not being able to surf for as long and not being able to just, you know, when we go to the mountains, just go off up a mountain and, and you know, not worry about anything else and anybody mm -hmm. else. Um, so I could still do all those adventures. It's just a lot slower, a lot more, you know, I'm carrying my daughter or I'm doing, you know, more safe trails and, you know, smaller waves. And so there was a big adjustment period where I had to, you know, figure out, you know, what I could and couldn't do and get the gear, you know, to have different gear, you know, to carry the kids and all that stuff. And we just got the Bob stroller. I haven't used it yet, but we haven't had that for the first, the first uh, girl, we didn't have the bob stroller, so I just carry her. We had like a couple baby carriers and taught her how to, you know, climb and hike. And got her at the rock gym with Marco actually, nice several times, and she loves that, so that helps. Um, What's the bob stroller? What's that? The bob stroller is the legendary adventure stroller. It's got like these big wheels. They look uh. I don't know how to compare them to, but like it's like a wagon wheel basically, mm -hmm. um, or like a, a yard cart wheel. You've seen those yeah. yard mm -hmm. carts. It's basically got those, and it's actually got like a little bit of suspension built into it, so you could take it on a trail, kind of off road. You could take it like on a mat, like hiking. Mm -hmm. um, you can run with it, and uh, it doesn't bounce around so much. Like a baby can still nap in it, and yeah, it's just this massive, like the best stroller you could buy. They're like five or six hundred bucks but we got one second hand for like 245 God, but yeah that uh that whole like hand-me-down train when you have a kid is the best i didn't know it was like this but like as soon as we feel like people find out that we're having a kid it's like all of a sudden all these people are giving us this stuff and it's like i think it's because everybody knows how expensive this stuff is and they're like no 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 here, just take it, just take it, just take it. So that's cool. Um, what was I going to – do you think that um, – let me back up here. I'm a little rusty. This is the first one in a while. It's okay. Um, so having the kids, you still get to kind of go on your adventures, but you're just kind of learning how to – is it like adapting with the kids yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, perfect word for it. Just yeah. Um, you have to be adaptable as a parent because, mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty much you're trying to take this new person and 
fit them into your your life you know in every way and so the stuff that you like to do for fun your recreation is no different it's gonna it's like how can i go to the beach okay with the kids so when they're a baby you know you got to keep them out of the sun you have to you know keep them comfortable you Mm want to try to keep them from getting sandy and um so you know maybe you get one of those big beach carts we just got one of those things uh hand me down Mm-hmm. Some, someone gave it to us. Someone found it on the side of the road. Or like <laughs> it's like you know, old, dirty-looking one, but it still works. <laughs> and then, because uh, you don't want to get your baby sunburned, that's like the worst thing. Yeah. They get sunburned super easy. I'm sure you guys are, you know, having the beach cross street here, um, are very weary of, of that. <laughs> Jasper. Yeah, we. Um, I think we haven't had too much experience yet because he's only he'll be a year on Monday. So we haven't been down there much, but um, yeah, definitely don't want him to get sunburned. We're good at slathering the sunscreen lotion on on him. Um, what kind of sunscreen do you guys use? I've, it's it's one of those. Um, do you do the Young Living kind? No, we do a. Um, I want to say maybe Bear Republic, or it's one of the ones that doesn't have any of the chemicals or. Uh, aluminum or any of that stuff into it we're my wife's really big on that she uh i was harder to get on the this sunscreen train not because i didn't want like the chemical it wasn't like i wanted the chemicals but this the like this i, I don't know maybe organic sunscreen is really hard to rub in yeah, and that. you end up like with this like hint of like white so i kind of felt like i was wearing clown makeup at the end <laughs> in the beginning like after and so uh i was like I would use uh, sun bum a lot, um, but but this year I'm I'm like you know what just do it. It just takes a little bit longer, and if it's gonna help me and help the environment, I'm down with that. But uh, yeah, I don't. We haven't had the Young Living one yet. Yeah, we really like the Young Living one. Um, we use that a bunch, and there's various uh, surf brands that I use that um, I like. But yeah, the the Young Living one I think is Danielle's favorite. She's the wisest when it comes to products and product safety and all that stuff so i I take her lead on it yeah um we also have gotten into the uh it's also like a tent is definitely is definitely one of those things that we have to like we have to have down here and we've tried all sorts of tents and it's not just the tent quality it's like how fast do you get it up and down it's important oh my god what so what kind of tent do you guys have um we we've just got one that um it's like an umbrella that you like push like you you take it out of the packaging and you push up and it like pops open Okay, so automatically then, pops open. Yeah, automatically pops open, and um, then you fill these little pockets with sand, and it's a half tent, so there's big wide opening, but there's a lot of space in it. It is clutch. So it's like an umbrella, and then like straps come down, and like flaps come down off the side of the umbrella? And no, it's more of a tent? It's more of like, when I say umbrella, because you know how when you open the umbrella, you have that part that pushes, uh-huh. and then it, it expands? It's kind of like that. I got you. So there's this contraption, and you push it, and it... The arms of it come out and that expands but it's literally up in like two minutes and down in like five it is perfect i don't know what the brand name is of it but that when we when we got that changed the game because we had one that you had to like it had rods 
and then you're like trying to get the rods and then find the stakes put them in there and it was like nope 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 this sucks and how does that one do when it's really windy is it it works it fine it stays mm-hmm. on the beach doesn't nope. fly away Mm-mm, doesn't fly away i'll uh when we leave i'll show you the brand okay yeah i think she got it on amazon because we got one danielle bought one that is gosh i want to i can't think of the creation or the name of it um but it's this little one that's made in china and it like same thing it's in a, a circular package you unzip it you pull it out and it just floop it just unfolds and it's already set up um and there's like one part you got to zip on and, and connect but then that part folds back up and you can put it back in the package mm-hmm. and it's obviously it it's you could set it up in like 15 seconds you unzip it you pull it out it's set up you put the baby in there and put other stuff in there so it doesn't fly away but when you break that thing down and like we watched the video and the video is super you know it looks so easy the lady just folds it twists it folds it again puts it right in there it takes her maybe a total of 20 seconds you know maybe 30 seconds it just doesn't work that way for me (laughs) (laughs) i try to do it and i'm just sitting there struggling with it for like 10 20 minutes sometimes Mm -hmm. and then if it's windy that's you know that's even it's even harder so i end up just stuffing it in the car like yeah man and it was only 20 bucks i guess you get what you pay for but we need to get a new one because it's, it's too stressful yeah you definitely i'll show you what i'll show you ours it is key wish i could had the name maybe i would have shouted it out but uh nah man it's awesome it's funny the things that you you have to adapt to like because there's people that, you know, I never thought about these things when I lived in Atlanta. I didn't care about sunblock. I just had whatever. I didn't care about swim trunks. I just wore whatever because, you know, you're only going to wear them like once or twice a year. And, uh, you know, I had the swim trunks with uh, the lining in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I could never see, now being at the beach, I could never see myself wearing swim trunks with lining in it. And I'll, I'll, spend however much money for these comfortable ass board shorts that are like <laughs> that because I, I wear it more but and they're awesome but like i just didn't didn't think about that stuff and right. now i don't know I, I can't see myself being any other way um it was it's been an adjustment but it's funny we go down this like beach supply rabbit hole <laughs> yeah. last thing i'm going to talk about though about the beach is um baby powder baby powder to get sand off oh i've heard that have you done that before Uh -uh. oh my gosh if your kid has baby like sand all up in their crevices just put uh baby powder all over it or talc powder or whatever and it helps get the sand off real quick it like dries up the sand it makes sense Mm -hmm. if you like dry the sand up so the moisture is what makes it stick yeah and then it just comes off that makes sense yeah because uh you know it helped me i've used i've used baby powder before and it comes off a lot quicker. So, yeah, there you go. That's a free tip, you guys. <laughs> Baby powder gets sand off better than anything. So, so um, let's move on. Um, did your parents ever share your birth story with you or talk about that at all? I wasn't really interested in it, honestly. <laughs> like, if my mom, my mom probably tried, and I just, you know, turned the other cheek. Yeah. And, turned on a surf video or whatever but i i i honestly i still don't even really know it she's she she has shared it but um i didn't take it into consideration too much that's cool yeah um 
Well, let's talk about let's talk about your dad. What was your dad like? Um, when I was young, he worked a lot, um, but he was real consistent. You know, he was a wonderful provider. He worked hard. He worked like 40, 50 hours a week um, all through my childhood. And I was born in Norfolk, and then we moved here into Virginia Beach when I was six. And you know, he bought a bigger house so I could go to a bigger school. So me and my sister could go to a better school. Um, and yeah, I mean, he just he wasn't super involved, but he was consistently there and um, was a you know. I guess he wasn't like much of an example in a lot of ways. Like I didn't have much of a example for like communication and relationships. Mm-hmm. Like I never saw him and my wife. I mean, him and my mom. Sorry communicating like they if they were arguing they would stop arguing when i walked in the room mm-hmm. um and him and my mom both were um just like they didn't like confrontation so a lot of stuff they just pushed under the rug and i feel like it surfaced years later and you know they ultimately got separated and um yeah but my dad was a good guy he uh passed uh in December of 2016 mm-hmm. smoked a lot of cigarettes died of lung cancer and uh, so that left a lasting impression on me I remember being a kid and, like he smoked in the car and I hated it mm-hmm. you know it was like I'd be in the back seat and he'd be in the front seat smoking a cigarette and I just it was just going right in my face and uh, it smelled horrible and made me cough and I guess I had a little bit of resentment so then, you know, when I got older, I never tried cigarettes, and so I think that was a good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a good dad in a lot of ways, and I don't think he knew how to be a good dad in a lot of other ways. I don't think his parents ever communicated well, or, uh, you know, they were just old-fashioned and, mm-hmm. and didn't have, like, uh, you know, communication skills, or, you know, I don't think he was, like, a a leader you know he wasn't actively trying to uh instill um like leadership or anything in me but he was always there to support me you know he was always there to get me out of trouble when i got in trouble when i was older <laughs> and he was uh yeah he was just a really nice devoted family guy um when he was at home um yeah what about your dad <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, this is the first time someone's asked me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were deflecting. feels like you were deflecting. I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to be able to talk about it. It's nice to talk about my dad. No, my dad was, um, he was incredibly involved. Um, he was a lot different than most dads, um, mainly because he grew up in, like, chorus, glee, clubs, drama, um, the arts, stuff like that. He got his, he ended up getting his master's in music education. So he spent most of his professional career as a choral teacher and a drama teacher and then an elementary music teacher. So we're like, he was just, it was just different. Like we're like dads would show like, this is how you fix something in your car, change a tire, things like that. He would be like, this is why you should watch The Sound of Music because of, you know, this part or, you know, he would take us to all these like plays and choral stuff and so it was um it was definitely interesting. 
I'm definitely grateful for that because it gave me a love for the arts and music and things like that. Um, he was a very sensitive guy too. He was the first person I ever saw cry. So um, that I think was very powerful. I talk about that a lot with people and on here about the, like watching my dad cry as a little kid kind of made it okay to cry. So it was like my emotions, I was safe to have emotions where like some people never saw their dad cry or, you know, some of my friends were like, when I cried in front of my dad, he would just tell me to stop and man up and things like that. So it was really cool. Um, he was very devoted to religion and church. Um, it was, it was our life forever uh, or as long as I can remember. I mean, some of my first memories were at churches. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was, he was a really, um, silly guy. So that was good. I, my brother had two kids. Um, they loved having him around. He would just be very silly and goofy with the little kids and yeah, a lot of kids loved him. So that was good. It was cool. It was great to, to have that example in my life. Um, but yeah, he, the one thing that he did for all sorts of people, uh, I thought it was just like family members that he did this too, but I found out it was all sorts of people. He would, uh, on your birthday, he would call you and then he would play happy birthday on the piano and sing it, but it was really over exaggerated. It was just like this where like they, he'd pound every key and then just like, dun, 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 and he would sing. And it was the silliest fucking thing. <laughs> but, like it was like every year, no matter what. And he did this with all sorts of people because at his funeral, <laughs> people were coming up to, to me and and talking about that and i thought i don't know like i think that's my favorite thing to talk about him i is just that because people really knew that he cared about him so that's cool that's really special yeah um but yeah he died of pancreatic cancer uh back in last year actually yeah June of 2019 and uh, yeah so yeah that's tough man I've, yeah it's tough losing your dad especially as a you know new dad and mm -hmm. you know you were I guess uh, planning on becoming a dad when he passed you hadn't had Jasper yet no mm -hmm. did you know he was coming well my dad got cancer in 2018 and then we found out we were in like well, he was diagnosed with cancer in May of 2018, and then we found out we were pregnant October of 2019. So, yeah, he knew he knew he was coming, but yeah, we weren't we weren't pregnant at the time. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, it was wild. I think. Do you do you did. Did your dad dying affect you as a dad at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, because, like, oh, man, like, death is the greatest teacher about life in so many ways. I forget where I heard that quote, but it stuck with me through all that. And uh, um, my dad, be, he was the best granddad, like, mm -hmm. to Caroline, uh, my six-year-old, so... Um, I mean, he came over one day, just to give you an example of the kind of stuff he used to do for her, 
he came over. Uh, we were living at Lands End down at the ocean for a little, little condo. Um, you know, we had a little patio, it was fenced in. And he came over with a bucket full of baby frogs, or maybe they're baby toads, that he had spent all morning plucking, <laughs> like picking them up individually. <laughs> and he filled this bucket up with like at least 50, maybe more little baby toads. And you should have seen the look on my daughter's face. It was amazing. Like she came over and, I mean, he came over with the bucket and, you know, they went outside on the patio and he showed her and she just lit up and she still, she'll remember that for the rest of her life. She was only three. And, you know, I only have a couple memories of when I was three. One was was looking out the window and seeing my dad's blue Corvette. Mm -hmm. He had a 1964 uh, blue Corvette. I think Dodge Viper Blue is all shiny. Um, but yeah, she'll remember that forever. And then another time he brought over like a big uh, pint of blood worms so she could just play with him. And he did a lot of special things for her and he loved her. And, um, and that inspired me to do those kind of things with her. And mm-hmm. uh, she loves animals and she loves playing with animals. So, um, And just like I think we process so many things together through his uh, last days. And we find out he was sick. Like, as a family? Uh, as a family, yeah. yeah. And a lot of things that he had not ever been able to talk about. Um, like, he got so he, he got diagnosed with uh, stage 4 lung cancer in September of 2016. And he passed December 16th of that same year. So we only had a, a few months to spend with him knowing that he was going to die, you know, terminal mm-hmm. diagnosis and um, we tried everything we could to help him you know um, but it was a terminal diagnosis so um, he hadn't really worked through you know some psychological stuff and emotional stuff that he had inherited from his parents and his family situation and I know that his dad um, well his mom died when he was young um, when he was a teenager and uh that affected him. I don't think he ever worked through that. So he started to work through that a little bit. And he, uh, then his dad married, remarried, and that lady ended up pretty much stealing all my family's assets, you know, give or take, you know, however you want to look at it. Because they're, uh, you know, my grandfather had a house on the Lafayette River and a mm-hmm. big sailboat. And, you know, he was a longshoreman for 40 years in the, in the Navy and had a, a couple pensions. He did really well. And, um, that lady uh, ended up walking away with all those assets and money. So he, that affected him emotionally, mm-hmm. extremely. He never really worked through it. You know, there wasn't, it wasn't okay for men to go to counseling. You know, mm-hmm. if you were especially a longshoreman, you know, like his group of, you know, people he worked with and surrounded himself with, um, that's not what they do. Still, like you don't really see a lot of people. That, I work down there now, and you know, that's, it's just not. Uh, there are people that go to counseling. Our, our insurance actually covers it to fully. You know, you mm-hmm. go to like 60 sessions a year, but he never did. Um, so we worked through that a lot. And um, I saw him just go like pretty much become a new man. Like he cried. And like it was a, I had only seen him cry one time my whole life. And it was when my grandfather, his father, was terminally ill. And mm-hmm. he was watching him. Uh, you know, slowly uh, get worse and worse. It's the only time my whole life I saw him cry. So kind of like you were saying, my dad was the, the opposite. He never cried, and I don't really remember him telling me not to cry. I wasn't going to cry, but I don't think it was like 
It was never like, oh, that's okay. And I do it too. And he never worked through stuff in front of me. He never processed stuff. Never cried in front of me. So to see him do that um, at the end and see him grow and come full circle, I, I think he died in a better place than he had lived most of his life in. And so that just really inspired me to always be the way I saw him towards the end of his life. He was had this motivation because he knew he was dying to work through a lot of it. And, and Danielle and I helped him through that. He lived with us. and. Um, yeah, so that was a long answer to that question. No, right? it's, it's, <laughs> I think it's it's exactly what the answer we needed. Um, I like that that you you're taking things from his death, like the motivation and things like that, to carry with you as a father. I think that's really cool that you got to live with that he got to live with you guys. It was I think for me, you know, my dad, my whole family's in in Georgia, so I was up here for all of it. And so I didn't have like, that was the hardest thing was not having time to really process things with him. You know, I, I could only really come down a handful of times. And I mean, his cancer kind of took him, I mean, it was about a year, but I mean, that's still fast, you know, to think like you're sick and then a year later you're gone. Um, so I never got a lot of time or, or, if there was time, it was like he was hooked up to machines or there were like tons of people around. So there wasn't like a lot of like one-on-one -on -one time um, with him. But uh, yeah, cancer's a hell of a disease. Yeah. But um, but yeah, um, is Father's Day hard for you? Yeah, yeah, Father's Day was tough. Um, but it was also great, you know, because mm -hmm. the family is so supportive. Like, now that my dad is passed, you know, on his side of the family, I still have my aunt and my uncle, but mm -hmm. um, my aunt's the only one that lives here. So it feels nice to, like, you know, grow our family and kind of mm -hmm. uh, keep his legacy alive. So, you know, I think about that, and they uh, they, they remind me every day that that's what I'm doing. So I feel like having a family um, is really important. Like if you go through the death of a parent and then you have a family, you know, you have people, you still have someone, you know, you need people standing by you during that. It's, you know, the toughest thing. I mean, like I had for a long time, I had like nightmares with him. Like as I watched him die, like I was, he was in the bed as he took his last breaths. He, uh, you know, I sat there with him and with lung cancer, you know, he's like trying to breathe, but having a lot of trouble um mm -hmm. it, they call it the death rattle it sounds horrible he's like <laughs> you know he's like doing that mm -hmm. and uh wheezing and gasping and you know uh at that point he had a uh little bag where you pee into it was it called a catheter, catheter. he had a catheter we had to remove that and he also had this big uh the catheter was actually for uh his lung though actually i take that back he was peeing in the toilet catheter was to drain the fluid from his lung and we had to remove that and like drain it every day it was gross but yeah going back to the, so he was struggling he was in pain he's in a lot of pain it had spread to his bones it had spread all over his body and uh in his brain and the bones i think caused a lot of pain for him um so i basically i was holding his hand i said 
dad, it's okay if you need to let go. Like, I know you want to hold on for us, and I, you want to, you know, you've, we've been trying to beat this thing, even though, you know, it's not nearly impossible. But, um, and when I, right when I said that, he took a, his last breath and held it and looked at me and, like, gave me a nod. And then I watched him die. I watched, you know, he just, after he held his breath, as long as he could, maybe 30, 45 seconds, he took a, a, a gasp and then I couldn't get enough air. And then he died about, you know, 30 seconds later. And I just watched his eyes just, you know, still. His body became mm -hmm. still and he just stopped struggling. And it's just like that. That image haunted me for a long time. Like I dreamt of it. And I even. You know, then I inherited his bed. It was like this really nice bed. I was sleeping in the bed that he died in for like a year, Danielle and I were, and she was like, you have to sleep on that side, <laughs> the side he died on. And uh, I don't know, if it's, we got rid of the bed eventually, yeah. you know, uh -huh. after a year or so, and I don't know if that helped or not, but um, I'm not really having nightmares about it anymore, but it was a heavy, heavy experience, to say the least. So do you think that he was, so you saying, it's okay, let go, he was like, all right, I'm out. Yeah, like he needed that, he was holding on for us, uh -huh. I guess. Um, he didn't think, he hadn't thought, or if he had thought, he hadn't gotten confirmation that it was okay, like he didn't want to like be, re I mean, this is my interpretation, because we actually didn't have this full conversation. Mm -hmm. We should have, like probably before that point <laughs> but yeah. um i think in his head he might have thought about it but not he wanted to be tough you know he didn't want to be the guy who like like i guess he kind he didn't really kill himself but like mm -hmm. he, you know he like he let go and he he took the easy way out kind of i guess he didn't want to be that guy i could he didn't want to be that guy so um me like letting him know that was okay and letting him know that i was proud of him and i loved him mm -hmm. and saying everything i needed to say to him and uh, that I understood, and I think that gave him permission and confirmation that it was okay to just do that. Because I've I've heard from a lot of other people that have had loved ones die from lung cancer that that last bit that he was going through can last a day or two, and it's just they're suffering, you know. Really. Mm -hmm. So um, it was crazy. He got up and walked to the bathroom. 30 minutes before what I'm describing to you mm -hmm. and took a pee by himself mm -hmm. and I was outside the door this is how proud the man was he was about to die and he still wouldn't let anyone help him pee mm -hmm. um, peed but then he after like 20-30 minutes I, uh, I went in there and um, I helped him get up off of the toilet and helped him walk back to the bed Having that going going through that, just it, he died when he was fifty nine. Man, so he died really early, and that motivates me. Like I only have a, so much time with my family mm -hmm. to you know make a difference in this world, and you know it's and it's creepy because like his dad died at sixty nine, mm -hmm. and then my dad died at fifty nine, and I was like. I hope I don't die at 49, man. <laughs> That's a rabbit hole you could get down. I mean, I understand that. 
Yeah. How old was your dad when he passed? Uh, my dad was uh, 66 or 67. He, uh, I think it was that, because I remember when he got his AARP card, and he was super pumped about that, because that meant all the discounts you get at the stores. But uh, it was relatively, it, fe- it felt relatively early. Because, like, my dad was super, I mean, he was as healthy as pe- most people can be. Um, so it was just, um, yeah. I mean, it's a shock. Death like that is a shock to anybody. Um, but I can definitely identify with you on the visuals. That was the hardest thing. Because, like, I mean, maybe with you being around your dad, like, the progression, I don't know if you ever get used to it, but it wasn't as, like, one day wasn't as jarring as the next day, kind of, because you're seeing him every day. But for me, like, I would go months without seeing him, and then, like, every time I saw him was, like, significantly worse than the time before. And even, like, seeing him in that last week with uh like in the bed and like his they had a hospice bed brought in um that was probably the hardest thing because i mean that's your dad and you're seeing your dad like in this hospital bed and can't do things for himself and like you know my brother had to help he was the guy that was like taking my dad to the bathroom and doing all the stuff that you were doing with your dad um yeah it was tough because it's like it's your dad you know for a lot of times i mean your dad's the superhero in your life and then you're seeing him in this state. So it's definitely an image that doesn't, I don't know, hasn't gone away yet in my brain. I don't know when it ever will. But, um, but yeah, I like that you talking about that motivation. You know, time, we, we always think we have all the time in the world, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, nope, we're only here for a certain amount. So might as well take advantage of it now, you know? Yeah, make every moment count. Yeah, I get really jealous um, of people that have stories like you have with your dad and your daughter and the frogs. Like, that's something that, like, I notice I get incredibly frustrated about. Because it's like, you know, my dad died a month before my son was born. And it was like this thing of like, well... He's never going to see this. Like when I see like an old guy with his, you know, grandson on the beach, I get pissed off because it's like, you know, that's not fair. But uh, I think what I've realized is it's kind of cool because so like I was sitting with, you know, my kid on my birthday and I was and we were just listening to bluegrass music um, and, you know, he was being real still and I was feeding him an egg. And I was listening to bluegrass because it was my dad's favorite type of music. And then I just started telling him about that, you know, how, you know, my dad really loved bluegrass music and listening to it and all that stuff. And then I got into talking about, you know, today's my birthday. I know you don't understand that yet, but, you know, he would always sing us happy birthday. And I wish that he could do that for you and for me, you know, and it got really emotional and heavy. But then I would realize that, like, so I can be the storyteller of my dad and like I can like. Like he, you know, Jasper's not going to get the physical moments, but he can still hear the stories of my dad. And in some way, like in doing that, I feel like 
he's still with us, you know, and so that's kind of cool, and I like it. Yeah, thanks for talking about. Thanks for sharing your feelings about the whole thing. It's, it's. I I actually haven't actually sat down with another guy and talked to about all this stuff. You know, I've talked about it with Danielle, so it's really nice to uh, have this outlet. I appreciate you. You know, putting this podcast together, and uh, I think it's important for dads to, to do this kind of stuff. Chicks are so good at it, man. They are. They, they take are. A page out of their <laughs> notebook. <laughs> it's okay to talk about the stuff. It's good. It's healthy to talk about it and process it and learn mm-hmm. from it instead of just you know sweeping it under the rug mm-hmm. and uh, you know letting those emotions uh, you know fester there because that's not healthy and there's science out there now that's that that confirms that you know disease is actually created in correlation with non-processed emotion um Mm -hmm. feelings buried alive never die there's a book that danielle and i read and we actually got my dad to read it and that's why he uh was it helped him work through a lot of his emotions that were buried alive and um, so yeah, I think this, this, this podcast is a great way to, uh, help men kind of, you know, get past that stereotype of not t- talking about stuff. Yeah. And it's, I come from a culture of like, it's okay to talk about it. Well, you kind of had to being, being, um, being in church, you had to confess things. You had to talk about things. You had to do it. Yeah. Sorry, we're. We're splitting the other juice um, with the orange carrot. I think we'll find out here soon what it was, but um, it was just such a part of your life that um, if there's one thing I think that I take away from church and Christianity is the ability to talk about what you're feeling. Um, And so like, it's just such an important thing to share because yeah i really love that what is it buried feelings net what'd you say uh, feelings buried alive never die i forget the author but really good book about you know not just process you have to process yeah. all your feelings basically mm-hmm. yeah and it's like somebody was telling me um that if you see people who have huge beer guts it's because they haven't processed something it's like bitterness or sadness because that part of you your stomach area is a protection thing and so these people with these huge beer guts might have something that they haven't dealt with and um, it's so true your emotions are linked to your physical and there's so many people out there that lash out because they haven't processed it and I think it for me I didn't want to be a 65 year old man sick pissed off lashing out at everybody because I didn't process what I was going through with my dad just because my dad died I don't think he would have wanted it and my kid and my wife wouldn't want it either and so it's just been this thing that's very important to like get it out and talk and so I do think it's important for men to share what they're feeling um, because we're not more or less emotional than women. I mean, we still have emotions. We still have feelings. Sometimes we feel more, I think. I think that men, in a lot of ways, feel more than women. We just don't 
have effective ways of getting it out or positive ways of getting it out. We either stuff it down or we divert it into some hobby or it just, we just close off. And, you know, with, with women, they just, they're just ingrained in them to talk, you know, even from a kid, it's women, you know, girls, it's okay to cry boys. It's not girls. It's okay to, to have feelings and to say you love your friends or whatever. But as soon as a boy says that or cries, they're shamed or they're told to shut up, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not anything I want for God. It's not anything I want for my kid. And I don't want it for any kid. I don't want it for adults, for adult men. I think we, you know, we need it. And I think that it's, it, (laughs) it's really funny. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent right now. It's almost like a little soapbox, but like, we're talking about men talking. And I think the funniest thing when like men, it's like once emotions start boiling up, you either want to throw something or you just want to like walk or you got to do something, you know, like you see like men at the beach, they're always throwing a football or throwing a ball around or, or, uh, you have to talk, uh, while you're fixing something or you'll say things like, Oh yeah, no, man. You're like, oh, hold on. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not trying to get all girly with you and talk. And then you start like punch each other. You say something like no homo or things like that. And then yeah. you just move on and you talk about sports. And it pisses me off because, like, what's wrong with two dudes sitting and talking and, like, just talking? Like, why is that weird? I don't know. So, anyway, that's my tangent about that. So. I'm on the same same plane with you. That's why I really enjoyed our trip this weekend. We went to the river and, mm-hmm. you know, you, I, and uh, you, me, and Marco, and, like, Marco made a joke. He's like, oh, well. We're not going to touch talk about football. Yeah, fo- <laughs> football is a great sport. I like to throw the football. You know, I used to play football in middle school. Uh, but you could talk about the sport and all the things happening in football for an hour. And what happens is that chokes out all of the time. And then you don't have any time to talk about things that are actually important, like mm-hmm. your relationships, your kids, your family, um, your friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then... Uh, people make time for politics and people make time for, you know, but somehow those other, those, those really the most important things are like our relationships, our families, our friendships, mm-hmm. our morals, our values, you know, philosophy, uh, spirituality. And those things take the back burner so often to, Hey, what happened, you know, with that baseball game or that football game? Did you see that last? No. How about that? They're going to get this guy signed next year. Who's you, who are you taking in the draft? Oh, I'm going to take it. That's, that's fantasy, dude. That's fantasy football. How about we talk about reality, things that matter, things that are going to, people are going to remember you for, think mm-hmm. your legacy, your, you know? So I think it was really cool that you and him are on the same, you know, uh, playing field there so we could we didn't talk about any of that stuff you and i were talking about <laughs> philosophy you're telling me about the book you're reading we we're talking about our kids we were talking yeah. about the river and our experience <laughs> on the river which we're gonna have to get into that because marco you know he went down and we had to, <laughs> it yeah, got kind was... of scary real quick and mm-hmm. after his tube popped and uh the river was huge yeah well uh you're throwing a whole bunch of stuff out there that i think we need to talk about but i'll <laughs> want to kind of grab it in, in pieces we'll and come kind back of, to that. yeah we'll come back to it but yeah it's like <laughs> Well, one, I don't know anything about football. It's my least favorite sport. But I just, I've never, like, I don't know. I just never, I never liked sports. So, like, never had anything to add. But it's funny because once, 
what I noticed is like, yeah, like you're saying, you talk about sports for an hour and it's fine, but like you end up with all of these, like, it's almost like you end up with a lot of surfacey friendships. Yeah. And you know, they're fun and it's great, but like if you really need someone to lean on or you go through something, it's like all of a sudden it's like, well, who's around? Because we don't know how to interact with that because we've not spent the time to go a little bit deeper, talk about those things or have, have, have an open and safe place that we can discuss these things. Right. You know, and I think that's very, it's a very powerful thing for us to have. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's great. I think I love to find out more about people, you know, and I love hearing what people think about other things and being free with the conversations um, and stuff like that. Yeah, it was fun. We did talk about a lot. Sometimes it was a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, our wives were super cool and they let us go on a, you know, well, we, we spent about six hours tubing and hiking, just us three. So we were, you know, on Father's Day and we were able to have a nice experience and, you know, talk about these kinds of things. And... Do you think, so I think that it, in a way I feel like our tubing adventure helped us be a better father in that we had an outlet to do something adventurous to in a way get it kind of out, not out of our system, but I think if there's one thing I'm noticing with a lot of dads is we never have time for ourselves. And then what ends up happening is we get really stressed out and we're mad, not because we necessarily are mad at whatever's happening. We're just mad because we haven't had time to have an adventure or do something fun or do something that we want to do. And I think it's very important for us to have that. Um, just as much as it's very important for our wives to have that. But for some reason, it's like we never we never let ourselves have that. And I always have wondered why. But um, I don't know. I noticed that I felt so much lighter after our adventures because, I don't know, there was just this part of me. I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm holding my son and... I want to be here. You know, there wasn't that like that, that, that need to be like, I need to do something. I need to do something. Cause men, we have this wildness in us. We get, I need to do something right now. Yeah. And me sitting, trying to put my kid down for a nap is not what I want to do right now. It's stressing me out and it's stressing me out because there's all these other things I want to do. And I haven't given myself time to do that. So I don't know. Did you notice that? Or did you feel that? Or do you even like identify with any of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, before I had kids, I was, taking every opportunity to go on adventures and um that's like a lot of times when i got to talk with my guy friends you know growing up i didn't have you know i had a lot of girlfriends but i talked with my guy friends and you know, we didn't get super deep you know and as i got more older and more mature i started to find uh friendships that would foster deep uh conversations and uh relationships um but then I had kids, so then it was like, you know, uh, it was, it's, like you said, it's a lot harder to have the time, to find the time to to, mm -hmm. to do those things. And did you ever read the book Wild at Heart? Yeah, I read The Wild at Heart. Yeah. Cause it, was, it was the hot book in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. It, but it's so true. It's like it is, where uh -huh. we want to 
be wild and adventurous and we have that it doesn't matter if you're a dad driving a minivan mm-hmm. you still want to go out and climb a mountain yeah you know or tube down a, a raging river <laughs> and just to get that out but at the same time as we hiked back we got to talk and we got to be in nature and we breathed fresh air and it was just just the, all of that together coming back and then holding the baby and helping with the kid and the family it just was so much easier having already done that stuff mm-hmm. you know when you don't do any of that for a long time and you're, and you're just constantly being a dad and you know doing work and you know then it's uh you you fantasize about it right you like yearn for it and you almost like get like depressed because oh i can't go out and do these things anymore i'm Mm -hmm. a dad my life's over you know like these conversations have come up in my head you know and i'm like no it's it Mm -hmm. then like the other side of me inside my head you know the other angel whatever on my shoulder is uh saying no being a dad is the greatest adventure you know you just have to be patient you know you're learning patience you're you know all these things but but it is still there there is you know sometimes when i think that uh you know i don't want to say i'm being held back by my family but like i'm being held back from certain things Mm -hmm. in order to experience other things and so it's really nice to be able to go and just indulge in those things that we fantasize about yeah once again, we've been mentioning Marco a lot, but so Marco, when I had him on back last summer, he talked about the idea of patience with the things that he wanted to do. Like he wants to rock climb all the time. He wants to ride motorcycles. He wants to do this stuff. And now that he's a father, he kind of, he has to learn patience. And it's not that he's being held back by doing those things. He just can't do it all the time. And he says, it's some, I think he said to the effect of like, I just wait and I'm patient. And now instead of just me going, I can take my two sons, my little best friends, and we can have these adventures together. And so, and it just makes it that much greater and much more awesome of an experience. And so I think that's something I'm trying to adopt is that idea of like, no, I'm not being held back. I just need to be patient. And the more that I'm focusing on the patience and not held back, the easier it is for me to be a dad. The easier it is for me to do the things around the house and just be at the house and not going on some kind of adventure. Um, But yeah, and adventures can be so many things, right? Like sometimes for me, adventures are going to concerts and getting rowdy in the pit. You know, I went to face to, I remember last year face to face came with a lag wagon and, uh, I just exerted so much energy at that show. I've never jumped up and down and did those things, but you know, that was an adventure for me. Oh yeah. And, um, I remember the whole time thinking, I can't wait till Jasper's in the pit with me. <laughs> or like we're at a concert and I'm seeing him doing this if he wants to I'm not yeah. gonna push it on him but yeah Wild at Heart I'm glad you mentioned that book um, yeah there's this adventurous wild thing inside us that needs to be expressed in whatever way you know yeah but in a lot of ways we're told to stuff it down you know yeah when we when we become fathers we're you know like I remember, um, so I guess we got 
talk about the church thing briefly. Like I was in the church for a while, mm. and then I kind of walked away from it, and um, I have my own spiritual beliefs that are influenced by Christianity and also by yoga and other things. But all right, so touched on that. But um, <laughs> I remember like there were some older people in you know the church or uh, you know in our families that oh yeah you're a dad you're a mom now you can't go and do these things it's not okay to travel you have to you know you know have your kids in school and work full time and you know, get everything done and you know be productive and that's all mm-hmm. there is room for because that's what we did or whatever you know there's like that mm-hmm. cultural uh, expectation on new parents um, and it's getting you know as we move through time and uh, things become different and more progressive um, that is lessening and lessening but it's still there it's still a factor and you know uh, no one tells you that we don't talk about it you know mm-hmm. no one's ready for parenthood and we should you know you should be aware of that once you have kids you know some people like it might be your grandparents or it might be you know your parent-in-law or your whoever you know elders at the church or whoever it might be they might look at you with expectations of uh proper parenting in their mind mm-hmm. and yeah yeah but you could insert you could insert that statement into anything you can't do that now because you are married you know you can't do that now because you are 40 or you can't do that now because you have a full-time job and i mean yeah there's some things that have to change you know, like kids need structure, they need safety, they need stability on some level. But like, I don't know, man. You can do whatever you want, really. Yeah. It's you know, I don't. I just, I never liked that. I never wanted that. That idea that you know, I have my family has to be like your family, but just because you say so, you know. And I want to take the good stuff and the advice that people tell me and and try to apply it in the best way that I can for my life but and my family but yeah like just because you're a dad you know doesn't mean you can't go and jump in a river on a tube you know and see what happens or like go climb a mountain or like go do whatever it is that brings you joy like i feel like those things help you be a better dad you know and i think if we do that then that's the example we're setting for our kids right Mm -hmm. like you can do whatever you want. If you want to go and jump in the, a river, go jump in a river. If you want to do this, go do this. You know, if you're being happy, healthy, and you're safe, like, right on. Have at it. Take a bite out of life. You know. Um, but yeah, that's my thing. Yeah, I'm so glad that we both have wives that like support that. Yeah, Hall. Yeah. Right, because mm-hmm. like Carly, your wife was there like to pick us up when we had to get out of the river at the place we weren't supposed to get out of the river because one of the tubes popped and we ended up you know all that stuff and mm-hmm. she was they were looking out for us they were encouraging us they had all the kids back at the cabin and they were taking care of the kids so that we could do that mm-hmm. i feel like a, a lot of people a lot of husbands don't want to have that like yeah. we have it like my wife is uh super supportive she comes and sits down on the beach and you know i'll get her all set up on the beach and i'll go surf for two hours you know i do that not every day but you know i do it every couple weeks we go do it and um she doesn't get that as much as i do um so i'm really thankful for for her and for both of us having that and um i try to 
you know, let her get some stuff, something similar to that. Yeah, there has to be like, you know, I'm my wife. Yeah, she's the same way. You know, my friendships are just as important as her friendships. You know, we need time away. We need time to decompress. And, um, but it's you know you have to. I guess for me, I have to understand how beneficial it is for me, and it's got to be that much beneficial to her. So she deserves to have as much time as I do. You know. Yeah. And to have all the experiences she wants to have without me. Yeah. It was pretty it's it was pretty great, you know. Um has there any been anything as a dad that's been like that has scared you? Yeah, man. Like a million things. I'm constant my so you know, kind of coming back full circle of what we were talking about earlier, like, I'm, like, training my daughter to, like, go on adventures with me, basically, ever since she was a baby, you know, like, I I had her doing pull-ups when she was, like, four months, or not, probably, like, six or eight months old or whatever, like, I was holding her, and she Mm -hmm. would just, you know, she saw me doing the pull-ups, so she would grab the pull-up bar and just kind of start pulling, and eventually turned in, you know, like, a year later, six months later, whenever it was, I lost the timeline, but, you know, she started really doing, like, pull-ups, and I would just kind of assist her, and um now she's doing like three pull-ups she's six years old and uh she's really good at climbing on things and so i took her hiking like we hiked crabtree falls Mm -hmm. when she was two she did the whole thing you know like i carried her maybe a tenth of the way or you know eighth of the way and uh i took her danielle had a uh, bachelorette trip and she was going to be gone for four days over the weekend. So I'm like, okay, perfect opportunity. Daddy, daughter, mountain trip. We're going to go camping. We're going to go in a tent. We're going to go hiking. We hiked 20 miles. But my daughter is so fearless. And she's like, oh, like almost you know, overconfident. I was scared she was going to fall off the mountain like 10 times. I was terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm always scared that something's going to happen to them, you know? Like, yeah. Especially now that my girl's fast. She's got wheels. Like, she'll like run and like ride bikes with her and she'll she started itching herself today while she was riding her bike and her you know she starts she steered off into the middle of the street we were on the main road i thought she was gonna get hit by a car um and most of my fears are about like something happened to my kids Mm -hmm. um but then i gotta have fears about you know what this means for me oh my yeah all sorts of fears come with parenthood i think it's one of the biggest challenges we'll ever face Mm -hmm. so yeah you know are we are is our marriage going to be the same? You know, like, I mean, it's, thank God we don't have the, the, like, whole body thing that the women go through because I know my, my wife, you know, she has a whole different set of fears, you know, like, oh, is he going to look at me the same way? I, you know, I, my body changes and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I love her. I think she's absolutely beautiful. And um, I want to remind her of that. But, yeah. What about you? What kind of fears are you experiencing? <laughs> I think for me, it's it's that someone told me one time having a kid is is walking around with your heart in your hand, or no, giving it or give, having your heart in your hand, or just having your heart just out for people to do whatever they it's want to with it. Born. Yeah, I think about my. I mean, one of my fears is, um, what kind of kid he's gonna be, what kind of person he's gonna be. Like, will he have friends? Will he, 
you know, will he like, I don't know, have fun or will, you know, life be hard for him for some reason? I don't know. I think, um, the biggest fear I can think of now is, you know, the idea of preschool is like, I know every parent goes through that, but it's like, I'm letting my kids stay somewhere for a certain amount of the day and I'm not going to be there. And I think a part of it is because I've been on paternity leave and been around him so much. Mm-hmm. It's like this connection thing. I don't know. I fear, you know, you're fearful of everything. Like what's going to happen. I saw him sleeping a weird way and I was like, Oh my God, he's dead. And like, I'm like <laughs> listening on the monitor. Like, okay, no, he's breathing. That's fine. He's cool. He's fine. Um, no, I think we're in a constant state. There's a little bit of fear in everything once you have a kid. Um, has there been anything? Has there been anything that's just like come like natural to you, like innate almost, like super easy being a dad? Um, I mean, just showing affection for my uh-huh. kids is natural because it's like, how can you not look at your kid and just, I love you. Like it's mm-hmm. just yeah. there's so much love and you just they feel it and you feel it. And, um, I want to touch on a couple of the other fears, though. Like, um, but this COVID stuff, and like all this, I I echo your stuff, man, about like what kind of kid it is she gonna be? You know, mm-hmm. is she gonna grow up? Because she's sassy as hell with us, and you know, is she gonna be a brat? Is she gonna be like, <laughs> you know, like are we? Ra- what is she gonna be like when she's a teenager? Oh my yeah. goodness, that's mm-hmm. so scary for us because, and you have a boy, and it's gonna be different with Jasper. But girls, you know, they are sassy and they can get manipulative and they can get controlling. She's already doing that stuff, <laughs> and she's an amazing kid. Don't get me wrong, she's, I love her to death. But and then like you know, there's certain things in school that she uh, is better at. She's really good at math. She's really good. She's amazing at art. She's a good drawer. And she, she can, like, she sings and like, mm-hmm. she's good at a lot of things, but like with writing, I feel like she's a little bit, that was like her struggling, her struggle area in kindergarten is, uh, like sentence, uh, structure to, or just spelling, mm-hmm. basically spelling and, uh, writing. Um, and she's, she's made a lot of progress, but you have that fear. It's like, gosh, is she ever going to learn how to write? Is she mm-hmm. going to be smart? Is she going to... And then now with the COVID, like, next year, I'm scared to send her to school because she has to walk around with a face mask on for, what, what are they in school? Six, eight hours? Seven hours or something? Yeah. Uh-huh. 7.33 to be exact. 7.33. That's only because I'm a teacher. I know. Yeah, I knew you were doing that. 7.33 hours. But that's scary to picture our children walking around with face masks on mm-hmm. and this is in Virginia and you know our government has already said this is how it's going to be next year and they're going to have to have face masks on they're going to be you know, what, I think is it two days a week they're going to be well in school and two days out of school we'll touch on that nothing's for certain yet yeah. um, I feel that fear you know I mean for me I feel that fear of like am I going to have to wear the mask too stuff like that um I know that like there's nothing set in stone yet for how they're going to open. It's too early to to really tell about that. But uh I see that I see that I can see the fear like walking around with a mask. How's that going to make the kids feel? Yeah, psychologically. Mm-hmm. Cuz you can't see a smile. You know, you can't see facial expressions and that's so 
powerful for kids like to 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 see that especially from adults like you need kids need that reaffirming that you need that to be able to communicate yeah you're taking away mm-hmm. what do they say how 90% of communication is nonverbal yeah so uh-huh. a lot of that is facial expressions yeah, yeah smiles like you, i mean smirks Jeez. you know sticking their tongue out and then also just like my kid is scared of the virus yeah. Like, oh, yeah. she's had, like, full-on breakdowns. She's like, I can't do this because the virus is there. I can't go here because of the virus. And she's all scared. And it's like, it kind of pisses me off. It makes me angry that we're all being subjected to so much fear. And, I mean, we can get into that conversation of whether it, all of it is, uh, you know, needed or not. Mm-hmm. Um, or, But it's definitely going to affect these children i mean it's all affect all of us but these kids they're developing psychologically emotionally and to have so much fear shoved at them from every angle and then being in school where everyone's scared of it and they're taking all these precautions that Mm -hmm. you know it's the major focus and they're six feet away and everything's different because of it it's like twilight zone man it's scary Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think for me it's it's noticing that like we're adults dealing with this fear and we have like stuff in our toolbox on how to deal with it and like but these kids don't and so it's it's like it's seeing it's seeing little kids be so scared of things that it's just like it's very oh my gosh yeah it's really overwhelming to to watch these kids be as scared as we are because they don't know how to deal with it you know, and I think for us, it's it's helping them be okay with the fear. You know, it's okay to be fearful of things, but not letting that fear control you, or not letting that fear turn to panic. You know, because we can't focus in panic. We can't do anything in panic. We can work with fear. You know, it's scary. I mean, school's scary for anybody. Man, I think about that too. Like, what's it going to be like for him? What's school going to be like for him? And I'm grateful that. You know, we, we don't have to think about, like, that mask thing right now. But, uh, whew, yeah. I don't know, man. It's a wild time we're living in. Wild time. Um, speaking of that, has there been anything that's been, like, that stands out? It's like, this is the funniest thing I've seen being a dad. Mm-hmm. Anything like that? Kids are hilarious, man. There are yeah. so many things. I was like I remember when uh, Carolina was just starting to talk and you know I think maybe she was one and a half or something uh, Danielle's gonna be like well you don't you don't know the timelines of when that happened or like I'm so bad with timelines with the uh, children but she said she was at her uh, grandma's house she called her Mimi Danielle's mom and uh, she burnt her finger on the stove mm-hmm and she was having troubles with her F's and pronouncing <laughs> F. So she came home and told us about it. And Daniel has a video of it. It's hilarious. I have to show it to you. But she said, uh, we asked her, what happened at Mimi's house? And she said, I burned my wiener. <laughs> my wiener burned. <laughs> and we just lost it. And she kept, and we kept asking her. And she kept saying it over and over again, Aww. talking about how she burned her wiener. <laughs> And there was, yeah, just getting them to say funny things is hilarious and highly entertaining. Like, have have a lot of 
kids just so you can experience that because if you yeah. don't have any kids, it's <laughs> the best. What about you? What, anything that's really funny? Not yet, man. I mean, everything he does is it's it's like watching a drunk guy do something, <laughs> especially watching him try to walk right now. Yeah. It's like watching a dude who's had a few too many try to stand up. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> so how do you how do you find balance being a dad like what are the things that you do to help to help you in that how do you find balance i love this question i was reading that one i was like oh this is gonna be a fun one um for me yoga is the the thing in my life that helps me um, be able to maintain balance Mm -hmm. uh in everything in my life and um especially with my kids um but um it's basically for me it's like we're so for me at least i'm so uh involved with my phone i'm so involved Mm -hmm. with the computer and my responsibilities uh and the different you know i'm in an investment group a real estate investment group so i'm like you know on the computer and telephone with that and then uh, Danielle and I sell wine, so I'm on the computer and telephone with that, and I mean helping her with that. And then her and I communicate constantly. And there's just we're being bombarded, and we're uh, our attention is uh, really being pulled in so many different directions constantly. And I think that is really, you know, it's uh, presents a big challenge for being able to stay in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and go, another thing is going, you know, unplugging. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, being able to be in the moment you can think clear when you unplug you don't have things you know you, you have a train of thought going or a conversation going your phone doesn't go off when you unplug so you can continue that train of thought you know um and then just having your priorities straight and like drawing it out writing out your different priorities and taking a look at your life and how much time am i devoting spiritually how much time am i devoting as a father as a mm-hmm. husband you know uh fitness uh nutrition and health and you know as far as feeding myself nutritionally um outlets for creativity looking at there's a a book i i've read books where they have like the wheel and you like have those things Mm -hmm. you're looking at a picture like that like a diagram of all the things that we need to be healthy and happy and then assessing it you know based on your calendar and your day um but but as like a big picture thing i'm able to just maintain it because if I take time to do it 30 minutes or an hour of yoga in the morning I can be in the moment mm-hmm. a lot easier and when I'm doing that things just fall into balance I just I'm a very big advocate for yoga and um, the not just the physical stuff but it's so much more than that for me it's, it is balance and mm-hmm. I actually have a tattoo oh, no, my friend has a tattoo of balance mine is water splash <laughs> nice I like um, man you rattled off a lot of stuff I like that though yoga my wife does it a lot I think um, there are a lot of benefits to yoga as well for me things that help me find balance are like journaling meditating um, helps because I'm very I can be very heady and if I take 10 minutes to like unplug and focus on my breathing it helps me be more present um, yeah breath works amazing there's a lot there's a lot of benefits to doing that um, working on your breathing helps you think better um, but yeah I like that I like 
you know, we have to find the time for ourselves in order to be able to give to our families what they need, you know. And it's not a perfect system, is it? No. <laughs> some, uh-huh. some weeks it's like you can't find, you know, we're lucky if we find like five or ten minutes to do anything. And, and it's okay that it is. It's just, I think for me, I'm learning that don't waste those that time. Like use it for something that you really, that's going to feed you. Yeah. Um, what do you think your role as a dad is? Um, is it like protector? That's what I mean. Like a protector. Is it like a guide or is it like an example? What do you think? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of ties into, it's a good segue from the last question. I, um, I read this book. I forget all the books blur together, but some, something I read along the way introduced me to the concept of a family morning meeting mm-hmm. or just like family meetings, you know, at the breakfast table where you talk about your day, talk about your week and plan it out together. And I think that's really powerful. And I think we as dads are, you know, for me at least, my role is the leader of our family. Mm-hmm. And so I want to lead us in a direction you know, business-wise, financially, spiritually, and um, I want to make sure everyone else has balance in their life too. Mm-hmm. And um, the provider, I'm. I feel like you know, Danielle is also providing for our family, but I feel like that's a large part of my role as a father is to provide, um, and then protector for sure. I mean, especially as crazy as the world is today, I'm constantly, not constantly, but. I am thinking about scenarios. I find myself thinking about scenarios sometimes where, you know, what if I have to protect my family? Am I ready? Mm-hmm. Am I prepared? Um, Marco, Dr. Marco, we should call him Dr. Marco in public. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Because um, he's an amazing doctor. And uh, he he uh, helped us with some uh, firearm training this week. I remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah. That was cool. Um, I'm thinking about, I have a, a 22 rifle a Winchester but I, I think I'm gonna buy a, a handgun and just have that for protection you know, just, I mean with like the riots and stuff like what if like someone was rioting and they came to my house or we're driving the car they come to the house and like threatened us to try to you know put a pull a weapon on us um, I think that uh, I need to be prepared mm-hmm. to protect my family yeah I mean, it's it's a thing to think about. It's something that's there. It's a it's a fear that I think all dads have. Can we protect our family? Um, so you you have two girls, and do you think about how important it is the example that you set as a man? For your daughters, do you think about that, or is that important? I mean, of course, it's important to you, but like, gosh, huge, yeah, talk hugely about that. important. I think, gosh, yeah, we want to accept. You, know, we, we can't be the perfect example, and but we want to. We are an example. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, your kid learns from you by watching you, mm-hmm. by listening to you. They see so much more than we give them credit for. Um, even if they don't, even when they don't understand the words. They see what's happening. They feel it. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I'm, when Danielle and I are in an argument, I'm like, gosh, is this a good example? Like, we need to argue, but we don't, we want to do it you know, respectfully. And, like, um, yeah, like, I don't want to, like, be 
rude in front of them ever to anybody. I want to be loving and compassionate, showing examples of, of just, you know, good things. And I want, I don't want, like we sell wine and like sometimes we'll be drinking lots of wine and I'm thinking to myself, I don't want them to remember me as being a drunk. Mm-hmm. So I try not, you know, try not to, uh, ever overindulge in front of them. And yeah, I mean, but every once in a while you do and like, so I think it's also important to uh, show an example that, hey, I'm not perfect, and I'm going to admit that when I'm not perfect. I think we talked about that a little bit this weekend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, I'm sorry I overreacted, Caroline. Um, you know, I just got angry because, you know, when I saw this happening, I saw you doing that. I had some fear. I was scared. And, you know, tell them how you felt and why you reacted that way and apologize and uh, how do we expect our kids to apologize when they mess up if we don't apologize to them? Because mm-hmm. no one's a perfect parent. I don't care you know, who you are. And, you know, you wrote the book on parenting solutions, and you're like, you're still gonna overreact on your kid at some mm-hmm. point. You're still yeah. gonna do. So- you're still gonna mess up somewhere along the line. Like, so I think apologizing to them and uh, is extremely for you know good example to set. What about you? Yeah, that idea of imperfection I think is needed very much I mean I do that in my classroom a lot um, because I think when kids are striving for perfection it just puts this unneeded pressure I think striving for your best is different than striving for perfection and I think seeing seeing adults you know apologize or own up to their mistakes makes it easier for the kids and you know it's gonna make it easier for your daughters to own up to their mistakes seeing you do the same thing you know not trying to hide it you know or not trying to no listen to me because i'm the dad or listen to me because i'm an adult you know that's not what we want um i don't want that for you know my son to see you know so yeah it's very important um will you tell the story about the bag of chips yes i will tell (laughs) the story you mean like right now yeah. Oh, as an example. Yeah, I, I, I got really angry at one of my students. So angry that uh, they were the class was being bad and uh, incredibly frustrating. And this kid was doing, he was eating a bag of chips after lunch. And that's one of my rules. Once lunch is done, food is done. And it was one of those things where I just, I snapped on the kid. And <laughs> I walked over to him and I slammed my hand on his desk on the bag of chips and I crunched, I crumpled up the bag of chips in his face. And then I walked over to the trash can and I just slammed it into the trash can. And then that kid ran out of the classroom so pissed off. And I was so pissed off. And and, and if uh, you guys haven't ever seen Roy, he's like a, he's a big dude. He's got some tattoos. Yeah. Like if you were a small little child, I could, I'm just picturing yeah. this scenario taking place. And it's making me laugh a little bit yeah i'm you know i tower over kids and uh he probably was really scared and angry but uh once that happened and i realized that that was one of the dumbest things i could have done i uh apologized to the class and then i called the office and he was sitting up there and i called him back and he came walking down and i sat down in a chair and got on eye level and explained to him how wrong I was and, and talked through it. And, you know, I, I apologized. I said, that is not an example I ever want to set for you. Um, I want you to, you know, yes, what you were doing was something that was against our rules, but that does not warrant me to do what I did. And so I apologized. And then I bought him two extra bags of chips as an apology. 
you know, so, and I do, yeah, that was a powerful moment for both of us. And I think that he, however, this kid goes on in his life, I think he's going to remember that there was a teacher that got real pissed off at him, but he apologized and bought him a bag of chips. And hopefully that'll help him in another situation in his life. And maybe he won't lose it on his kids or if he's a teacher, his students. So, yeah. Um, that's the chip story. And now it's out for the whole world to hear. <laughs> I hope it. <laughs> Um, so any, uh, any last words on being a dad you want to share with us? Anything? Yeah. Um, if you're an aspiring dad, save your money up (laughs) and invest it in an asset that's going to pay for your kids. Um, but it's really not as expensive as they teach you because everyone gives you free stuff. Take the free stuff. Don't buy any brand new stuff. Okay. Unless, you know, every once in a while you buy some brand new stuff. But mostly take all the hand-me-downs because they're going to grow out of everything. The hand-me-down books are like, you know, get them from a quarter. You need so many, 90% of everything can be purchased secondhand. And uh, be, get prepared. Take, take a few years and get prepared to have kids. You know, don't just go out there and, uh, you know, you know, sh- you know, wave your magical wand around and, <laughs> you know, end up with a kid. You know, plan on wielding that wand before you wield it. <laughs> <laughs> so, wielding the wand with great power comes great responsibility. That's a good way to sum it up. Be careful with your wand. <laughs> it's very, very profound, Travis. And I like to, I, I'm going to say last words for you because I think also make sure you take adventures as a dad. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. And sorry, this is the last thing. I forgot about it, but you talked about moments. And there's an importance in moments with kids. And um, the moment like that your daughter had with your grandpa or the moment that your daughter had with you in the Raging River the weekend. Yeah. There's a. Big importance. I, I gotta say one more thing. On but remember, chat. I was gonna go with you, but at the end, I realized that I didn't want to go with you. I wanted you guys to have it, you know. And it was the big deal for her that she wanted to be in the river. And you put her in the river. You took her with her with you, and now she has that moment. So she'll remember it forever, and All she right. can tell her friends about it. So last words. All right, last, last words. I any this is a, the best advice I ever got from a father, um, you know, on fatherhood, and he said. When your kid is talking to you, the more you can just shut up and sit there and listen, the more that they'll talk to you when they get older. And the more you can do that, mm-hmm. the more you'll be able to have a relationship with your kid, a deep relationship. They'll come to you and share you know, everything. It's, like, it's so easy because it's like, oh, yeah, this kid really doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, yeah, it's so easy to judge the kid and not... Uh, be present there and listen to them and they might not even like make sense you know even when they're super young like they might not even be able to string a sentence together mm-hmm. and you're like what do I have to listen to but if you just listen and just look and listen and you know they can feel that and that they will know that you're always there for them as, for, as a, you know, have an open ear for them to talk that's awesome man thank you for sharing that and thank you for opening your life for everyone out here in the podcast universe um i'm glad that we did this um 
Thanks, Travis. And it was a great time. Um, And as always, be excellent to each other. And uh, take it easy.